Hello, and welcome back to episode 10, I think, of Pursuing the Cornerstone. Um, Today, we're going to talk about one of those age-old stories that you've probably heard a hundred times, but I think a lot of times when you grow up in a Christian household, at least this is how it was for me, I would hear those classic Bible stories, and I would completely miss the point or the specialness of who we see God as being in these stories. Um, And so as we've been doing this podcast and going through different stories, it struck me at the ways that I've missed Jesus through these stories. Um, And so today we're going to be looking at the woman in the well. John 4. Yeah, John 4. But I would encourage you all, this is something I had to do, was to put aside what you think you know about this story and to just try to hear and see what God is um, trying to tell you through it this time, because I think there's always something new we can learn through scripture and it obviously is always applicable to our lives. So as we enter into this, I would encourage you all to not just think you know this story, but to truly try to find Jesus in the words that are being read. So Jesus is the same today, yesterday, yesterday today, and, and tomorrow. tomorrow. So Robert, we you all just come back from it? Ohio, actually. What? You want to talk about Ohio, how we just went, came back from Oh yeah, let's do it. Cecilia's house and we had how many people there? I think we had nine. I kept miscounting, but it was definitely nine. Nine people in Cecilia's little house, little beautiful house. And mom was having the time of her life. She shed some tears again, like always. Papal showed up. That was exciting. Yeah. And we got to play with some kids. We got, Robert got bit. I got bit. I got smacked. Twice, actually. Abigail had a handprint on her leg. (laughs) Gotta love those youth group kids. Someone else got hit in the head with a hymnal. So someone else was, with 14 staples in his head got hit in the head with him. <laughs> that was the, that was the bad part was the, the staples. We had <laughs> two siblings go at it for a little bit. It was a good time, but you got to invest in people, you know, connect, invest, share. So that's part of it, but we can get into John four now, I guess. Let's just say he has any crazy stories. Did you survive? No. So he just Sorry, ran away for a second. I don't know why. The church building. And that's where I sit during the podcast and somebody came in and I just had to make sure that it wasn't loud or distracting and whatever. So that's why I do my input on that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was no real story other than we just got it was, beat we're up. We're talking about all our injuries by the children. <laughs> so anyways, in John 4, we see that Jesus goes on this little journey. And I just want to point out the fact, which this blows my mind, that in verse six, we see, so Jesus be, being wearied from his journey was sitting thus by the well. Jesus is fully man and fully God, people. Does that not blow anyone else's mind? Because it blows my mind when I read that, especially after we just talked about Jesus going 40 days without food. But, you know, like with, with that was with some divine help. Like I said, the spirit led him there. So the spirit was with him. Not that he didn't have the spirit here, but it's just crazy how. He is like us. He gets tired and he is fully God and fully man. Yeah. And well, so I think of Hebrews 4 verses 15 through 16. It says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. So that may we receive mercy and find grace within. Before we go any further in the story, I want to give some background because I think some of this is cool and you can miss some of the impact that's going on later on if we miss some of these key things. So in the Old Te- or New Testament Israel, we have three different sections or areas, and we have Galilee at the top of Israel when you look at a map. 
Samaria was in the middle, and these were Jews that had intermarried with other people, and God had told them not to. So they were outcasts. And then you had Judah at the bottom. And Jews who lived in Galilee and Judea both would not go through Samaria because they hated the Samaritans that much. Like when they would travel to one place or the other, they would go completely around Samaria to get to where they were going. So the Jews hated Samaritans. And so number one, for Jesus to even be just traveling through would have been a huge deal. And just the idea that Samaritans are those interbred type people is important too, because they weren't actually worshiping at Jerusalem. They were worshiping on another mountain and that comes into play. They weren't quite doing things the way that God had told them to. And I think that's important as the story goes on to just kind of. Yeah. Well, that just shows this wasn't by accident though. You know, like this wasn't just like Jesus, just like, I'm going to sit by the, down by this well now. Like he knew this woman was well, going to appear. Like he knew she he was saw coming. Nathaniel sitting under no. the tree. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And I, there's definitely probably some divine intervention there, I think. So, yeah. In 1 John 3, 20, it says, but if our heart condemns us, that God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Like he, he knew these events were going to occur in our own lives too. Like this is how God works in our own lives. He puts us in situations for us to grow or, or share him or things like that. Like Jesus is, is in a place where he can make an impact. This was not by accident. I think a lot of it too is like the Holy Spirit being within us today. We can be in situations that are unideal and the Lord can still work through them. That's why I think the attitude of you can always work things. He will always work things for the good of those who serve him. And so no matter what situation you're in, the Holy Spirit can be working in you to impact the lives of all those around you. So you should always, that's why we always talk about like living for the purpose of reflecting Christ to others, because in all situations, the Holy Spirit can use you like that. So then in verse seven, it says, there came a woman of Samaria, which I was talking about. That was not by on accident. Jesus knew she was coming to draw some water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink because his disciples had left him to go buy some food. And then in verse nine, this is crazy because this, this is just crazy to me. So you take it over after I read this. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I mean, we see this again with a, probably a story you're familiar with, like the idea of the good Samaritan was a huge deal that none of the other Jews helped this man that was sick on the road, but the Samaritan did. But what's even a bigger thing like this, so I've already talked about how the Jews dis- discriminated against Samaritans, but this is also a woman. And so for Jesus to be sitting there talking to her, like is a huge breach in like cultural whatever, like it could have been seen. She could have gotten in huge trouble for talking to a man without someone else knowing or being present type of thing. And I think there's a good reason why she's shocked. Like this doesn't happen. Normally, you know, Jews would ignore her or beat her up or, I mean, I don't know, but like, it would not have been pretty. It wouldn't have been a good thing. And, and here we see that Jesus is knocking down those type of barriers. And there's a lot of racial tension in our country today and i think if so people much. would stop worrying about each other's skin color or their gender or whatever it is like and they just focus on jesus jesus is the answer to racism jesus knocks down those barriers and there's a verse um there's no longer jew nor greek male nor female slave nor free i don't know where it's Robert might be Ephesians. 
Ify, you know, make me find it. I was going to read the Great Commission. So what does the Great Commission say? Go therefore and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded, and I will be with you until the end of the age. That's so what's the main point right there? All nations. All nations. Jesus does not care who you are. Nope, that's not it. It's but he doesn't care who you are or where it's you come from. What is it? That's what it is. Slave nor free man. There's neither male nor male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus, I, I've had some well, this week's been weird because not weird, but the thing just happened. So the George Floyd trial finally Yeah. They came up with a verdict, and then the whole thing in Columbus happened, which I'm not going to get into my opinion on this. But I was rucking with my some of my, my buddies from ROTC, and we were talking about it because, well, one, it's just very powerful to see everyone's opinions and all this just – and how I told them – this is my point. I, I said, we've seen racism for 2,000 years now. You know, Since Jesus left the earth, there has been division among different groups of people – different races of people, cultural issues, whatever you want to say. And in 2000 years since Jesus has left the earth and even before that, there has been no solution to any of this. You know, like by any human thing we try to do, there is no equality as people would say. People are not content with, even if they do get a little bit of what they want, there is still no contentment there. Like there's only one way to solve this issue, and that is oh, to point and the people idea to Jesus. Too is that all men are created in the image of God, and it doesn't say that mm-hmm. white people are created in the image of God or black people are created in the image of God. It says all people are created in the image, and and that's huge. <laughs> like it, yeah. But like literally, we have seen by our the way our country is working right now. Like there is no human human solution to any of these things going on, any issues in the world. Well, I would say when we rely on politics to solve the issues of today, that's where we're falling short. And everything in our world is politicized. I mean, even the church is politicized. And I would argue that Jesus wouldn't take a political side, no. but he would be the one that would stand out differently. Um, and the thing about politics is it's just two sinful parties trying to make decisions about the other party. And so I would encourage people to... I mean, identify with a party that stands as close to, to Jesus's, you know, beliefs as you can. But ultimately, you're a Christian before you're a Republican or a Democrat. Which I and so, struggled greatly with this. Like, this was one of the main things that brought me. It took it took the election in the state of our country to really wake me up to the point that I was putting my faith into something that was going to perish. Like, there was no substance to that. The thing about Jesus is there's substance to it. <clears throat> You have this indescribable gift. Your life will change. And the cool thing about Jesus is he came for everyone. So we see we see in Matthew where he talks about the 99 minus the one. So he leaves the 99 to go find the one. The Samaritan woman was the one. He was He's seeking you guys out. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're fat, small, big, large, woman, man, race, whatever. Jesus is seeking you out right now. And in 2 Peter 3, 9, we see the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Well, so one thing that I thought a lot about this week, I'm not really sure why I thought of this, but 
and it's something that was on my heart a lot when I was reading in the, my Bible in the morning, but the idea of if we truly, I mean, everyone wants to say that we love others like Jesus, right? I mean, I want to say I do that, but if we truly love others like Jesus loved us, then we have to be willing to die to those things that are preventing us from going and sharing the gospel. So I always think of we're called to die daily. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I struggled with the application of what that looks like, because in America today, we don't face the persecution of physical death for Jesus. But a lot of times I think we need to die to those things that are holding us back. So you need to die to your pride. You need to die to the lack of empathy you have for others. You need to die to your own um, confidence in yourself. You need to die to all these sins and all these things that you're holding in in order to go and share the gospel with others. Because if you truly love others like Jesus, then you're willing to sacrifice everything of your life in order for them to get eternal life. And I think that's something that if people loved other people like that today, then this whole racism thing wouldn't be an issue or all these issues that we're seeing in the world wouldn't be an issue. And we see Jesus doing that with the woman at the well. Like he is, he, he has an image to withhold, right? He crossed Which not that line. Jesus cared about that, but he crosses this cultural boundary um, this gender boundary and he goes and approaches the unapproachable. And so if Jesus can do it. I would like to think that we as well could step across those lines and to share the gospel. Well, just as people. we pointed out, Jesus gets fatigued. He's fully man right now. Yeah. He's fully God, but he's fully man. You know what else? Romans eight eleven. We have this, the same spirit that, ro- that rose Jesus from the dead now resides with it in us. So we have the power to do these things. Cecilia talk. Oh, great. Did I lose my train of thought? <laughs> No, okay, so one thing oh, to just, no. oh, I know what I was going to say. One thing to out Abigail is saying, John 15, 13 says, no greater love um, has any man than this to lay down his life for his friend. And and so that means not only do we have to die to ourselves, but we also have to be willing to die for others, which we see Jesus setting that example. But also just the idea that um, Jesus, where was I going with this? I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I was raising my hand and I forgot where I was going. Yeah, if you guys don't First know, we're talking on this podcast, so we have to raise our hands because Robert likes to be powerful. First John 4, 8. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is it. love. Is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? <laughs> it's oh. the idea that Jesus <laughs> so. went after people that other people would have ignored. So as we get further into the story, we see that this woman is definitely a social outcast. He's not dealing with people. He does call his disciples and he walks with them and he disciples them. And that's great. But we see him always, always, always focusing on these people. Even his disciples were fishermen. Like what? Who are they that they can follow Jesus? He's always calling people that are social outcasts and talking to people that are social outcasts. And so when you do go to talk to people, it's important to talk to people that are like you because they need Jesus too. But it's even more important to go out and talk to those people that other people are going to ignore and not interact with just because they're different. And that even can go back to the type of racism thing. It shouldn't matter what people are, where they're at, what they're doing. They need Jesus just as much as the next person. Because the issue with the world is lostness. There, that's the main, that is the issue with the entire world, so, everything okay. that's going on. Go ahead. So I want to, yeah, I want to bring us back here. Go back to John four. Um, so Jesus in verse 10 says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, verse 11, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? And she says, you are not greater than our father, Jacob, are you who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Before you you get to your point, because I know which point you're going to say about verse 11, I want to talk about verse 10 a little bit. 
So what sticks out to me in verse 10 is that the first thing Jesus says to her, other than give me the drink, is he literally starts sharing the gift of eternal life with her. That's the first thing he does. So this should be, this should carry over to our own lives. This should be a focal point in every conversation we have because it's an indescribable gift that one is, is so great and it's free. It is literally free. And so we need to make it a focal point. It is free in our lives. (laughs) Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to, you have to change your life, but it's not like you have to like give up a leg or an arm or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, but you have to give everything else. Yeah. But it's not like you have to pay for it or anything like that. As far as I I know what you're saying. I know. Yes. It's a great. The cost is worth more than any, you know, like gain is worth more than the cost is the point of it. Yeah. Like it outweighs itself. But anyways, the point is, is that that the way, the fact that Jesus literally first thing he goes is like eternal life. That just shows how it should be a focal point in our lives when we have conversations with people. All right. Make your point, Abigail. Okay. So we see here that she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And then she says, where do you get that living water? And this well is too deep. And then she says, are you, are you not greater than our father, Jacob? Are you who gave us the dwell and the drink of it himself and his son and his cattle? And one thing, I mean, I know we talked about this this last week, but a lot of times we minimize the power of God. And so what we see her doing here is she's trying to grasp who God is in terms of humanness. And folks, you cannot grasp God in terms of humanness. No well is too deep for him. He is incomparable to any leader or person that they had seen up to this point and that we have seen to this day. Um, And so we have to be careful that we don't take a God who is greater than all things in this world and minimize him to being unable to draw the water. We try to shove him into our understanding of what God is. And there's a lot about God we're never going to be able to understand. And we're not supposed to because he. I will walk by faith. (laughs) Thank you for that singing, Robert. (laughs) First Corinthians two fourteen, but a natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So if someone normal who doesn't have God thinks you're crazy, it's probably a okay, good thing. So back to John four, so we're going to pick up in verse 13. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. So he's talking about the water from the well, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And I think this is powerful because we see, and as I continue reading, like Jesus gets to the root of what's going to hold her back. Like he doesn't, he's not afraid of calling her out. Like he says, Okay. You want this, so let's go take care of your problem. Let's fix this so that you can you can have this water. Yeah. I would say one thing I've been struggling with a lot recently is that idea of the balance of grace and truth, which obviously we see Jesus do to a, to a perfection. But folks, we cannot be afraid to call people out on their sins. Like if you truly have a relationship with other people, you f- should be holding each other accountable in your sins. And so we see Jesus, yes, he's showing love to her, but also we see in the next verse, she says, he says, go call your husband and come here. The woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband for you had five husbands. And the one who you now have is not your husband. This is, you have said truly. And so we see like, 
she tries to like avoid this this idea of sin here that she's living in. And Jesus is like, hold up, before I can even talk to you about what this idea of living water is, let me just call you on this real quick. And I think it's I think that's such a, a good point of you have to love people enough to where you talk so about that hard stuff as well. The first one is like, as the church, we have, like Abby also, we have to hold people accountable. And we see a biblical example of this. In 1 Corinthians, there's a guy in the church who's sleeping with his mother-in-law. Yeah, sleeping yes, with his mother. That's correct. Yeah, mother. Well, it would have been, it, it, it was his stepmom. Actually, I think is what it was. And Paul calls him out and says, Church, why yes. are you allowing this guy to continue in his sin? And they kick him out. And then in 2 Corinthians, um, they actually see that he stopped doing this and is reconciled to a church. And so, I mean, it's a tough thing calling people out on that. And you, I think you have to do it in a spirit of grace. You can't just call around. It's like the verse that like, you, can't, you can't ignore the point right. in your own eye right. and then go call out somebody's speck. Yes. Well, here's the question, though. Yes. Would you want your your friends and your family and your brothers and sisters in Christ to perish? Because that's the end result of these things. But if you do it in the wrong way, you're going to turn people away. So there's, there's correct, a, correct. But but it's it it like we talked about earlier, like love. Like it's out of love that you need to do these things because you should care so much about that person that you want them to experience the same thing you will so through Jesus. Back to the woman at the wall. I want you guys to really understand just how broken this woman probably was at this point and how desperate and just how much of a social outcast. And so I know of a lady in my own life who has been in with at least three guys. She has kids with every different guy. She is currently living with another man because she needs somebody to take care of her. She's never had much. She's never finished high school. She doesn't have a good life. She doesn't believe in Jesus and she's hopeless. And we see that her kids, you know, are are struggling. Some of them are on drugs and some of them, you know, none of them have finished high school. And just things that you don't expect to happen in 21st century America is how this lady that I know is living. And anytime I think of her, I think of this woman at the well. And she had five husbands and we don't know what happened to them. You know, maybe there was divorce or maybe there was death or I mean, we don't know what kind of circumstances there were. But for her to have gone through five husbands, like. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of just really difficult things that are going on in her life. And if anyone needs Jesus, like she is one that really does. And just if you really grasp, like we all struggle with sin, but this lady is is not only struggling with past sin, but she's living in sin as a result of her past sin, you know, and it, it just gets really tough. This just goes back to the point that Jesus came for every single person on this earth. He doesn't care where you're at in your life, how broken you are. He still has come for you and can give you this amazing All right, gift. So back to John 4, um, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are correct. You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. This you have truly said. And the woman said, him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, in an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Uh, well, one, I, I want to point out the fact that she knew she had some concept of the religious connection, like the, the, how do I say this? She knew 
like she perceived you as a prophet. So she had some sort of idea that there was a savior coming or, or something better coming. She had that idea, which is also interesting in our own world because it, you know, God is intertwined into our entire, like God is, I, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag, you know, one nation under God, like he's, he's intertwined in our society as much as they try to take him out. So everyone in America has some sort of concept that there is a savior. Just like we see in Ro- like in Romans, it talks about in Romans one, where's it at? Oh, for one Romans one twenty. for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so they are without excuse. So everyone has that basic of knowledge. If there is a God, there is something greater out there is my point. All right. So then it goes into the point about how an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem, will you worship the father? So what is that telling us, Cecilia? So what is that alluding let's to establish the fact that if you don't know in the old Testament, what they would do was if you were a Jew, you'd go to Jerusalem and worship at the temple because the cloud, like they, they followed like God's glory was there at the temple kind of thing. And you would go and, and do sacrifices and that's how your sins were forgiven. And the Samaritans had their own mountain that they would worship at because they weren't allowed at the temple because they weren't accepted there. And so this is talking about how later on, and we see this after Jesus dies, the curtains torn, God shows this is no longer you know, this isn't how it's done anymore. And you see that Jesus now lives within us. So we don't have to go somewhere to worship. And it is important to meet with the assembly, like as far as other Christians, but we don't go to a building to do that. So the people, people lose their minds over people like wearing a hat in a church building or, you know, what was, what was it when we were growing up? It was like eating, eating was another one. Anyways, people lose their minds over this, the prestige of this building but we have God inside of us. Like that is, that is the, the God does not live there. Like it's not some holier than thou building. You can meet anywhere. You can meet outside. It doesn't matter. God will be there. Matthew 18, 20, where it talks about where there's more than one of you that gathers, I will be there. Like God is inside of us. He is not, he does not live in buildings anymore. And I want to make the point in Acts seven, if you don't know what that is, that's when Stephen gets killed, he gets stoned and he basically gets stoned for this point. Cause we can see in verse in Acts seven forty eight he says, However, the most high does not dwell in the houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. And then he, he calls out the people and says, you are stiff necked and uncircumcised in the heart and your ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. And then in a couple of verses later, he gets stoned for basically calling these dudes out because they were stuck on the fact that they had their tabernacle and, and Jesus was in the God was in the temple. And he was like, no, he's like times have changed. Jesus has risen from the dead. He now dwells in all of his believers through the Holy Spirit who have followed the salvation picture. All right, Abigail. I think one of the ways that the devil has attacked the church today most is through COVID-19. We stopped gathering together. And folks, there's people all around the world today who are willing to meet underground and to be killed, to meet together as a body of Christ, not in a building, but in the worst circumstances. So here's my encouragement to you. We have to stop letting the COVID-19 things in the world today not allow us to meet. Because the most powerful thing we can do is gather together with a body of believers. We are called to do that. And so rather than fearing a virus where there's people around the world today who are willing to risk their lives to die for Christ in order to gather, we need to gather together with one another, hold each other accountable, build relationships, and go out and share the gospel. Instead of allowing Satan to divide us by shutting down our our church buildings. Because while it's not about the building, it is about the the community and the gathering together to worship the Lord. Matthew 18.20. Why fear though? We're literally talking about living water. 
Spring up to eternal life. There is, there should be no fear about some virus. You can live forever. So then, and um, I'm going to skip a couple verses and go down to verse 23. It says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When the one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, and I think this is interesting because this is still early on in Jesus's ministry. And there's a lot of the time where people will ask him, well, who are you? And he'll avoid the question or he'll tell a parable. But he looks directly at this woman. He says, that's me. He knows that she is ready to hear that message and to accept him. Abigail, did you have something? No, I was going to okay. I have the next verse. Did you have something? For it. I just think this is cool how Jesus speaks for himself. He's literally like, that's me. And that's what he does every day in our lives. People just yeah. ignore the fact that he does this. Yeah. Well, one of the things, this is not what I was going to talk about, but when I was getting into a lot of spiritual, scriptural debates with people, uh, I was always frustrated because I was talking to Silly and Adam. And I said, I'm always having to defend scripture. And Adam would always look at me. He'd go, you never have to defend scripture. You never have to defend Jesus. You never have to defend scripture because Jesus speaks for himself and scripture speaks for itself. And that is the only truth we can stand on today. Anyways, um, verse 27, we see at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. And yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? I think it's interesting because we see that the disciples have been with Jesus throughout his entire ministry. And it's still so radical that Jesus would talk to the least of these that even the disciples are amazed that he is speaking to a woman. So the disciples who have been with Jesus this whole time are still amazed at the fact that Jesus is willing to speak to the one that no one else would speak to. That's what always sticks out to me when I read that. Verse 28. So the woman left her water pot and went to the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? She left her belongings, forgot about the water, and took off running. Can we just say how amazing it is? Remember how I talked about how broken she was? Like, these guys in her town, like, would not have wanted to, like, wanted anything to do with her. And yet, here she comes running, and they believe her. Like, I think that's so powerful. I don't know what she told yeah. them, but Jesus they believe her. <laughs> and, like, I just think that's pretty Well, cool. some people, so this weekend, my small group, we talked about, sharing our stories and how to point people to Jesus through our stories and what he did for us. And uh, someone said something like, well, I don't, I'm, I, sometimes I'm afraid to share my story because I'm afraid someone will be like, oh, well, you used to do this, this, and this. So you're not all that good or whatever. But just think about this woman and her past. Like they knew her past. She didn't care because she had, she's been changed. <laughs> like Jesus had worked it in her through her. Like she's a changed person and there's nothing more powerful than seeing that. Like people can bring up your past, but it doesn't matter. You've been reconciled through Jesus. You know, like your your story is powerful because he changed you. He transformed you. So go share. Don't be embarrassed. I mean, yeah. we're all vulnerable through Jesus, for Jesus, but we always have that hope, the big picture, well, the hope well, of eternal you never life. Know, Carry on, Cecilia. Like who in your life is going to be struggling with similar things that you've had in the past, you know, and how encouraging that can be to them to say, look, I've overcome this because Jesus helped me, or I got through this because Jesus helped me, or... Yeah. 
I would say one thing we miss a lot today, being a Christian doesn't mean having it all together. Being a Christian is recognizing that in your weakness and in all your shortcomings, you still have hope because you have the hope of eternal life through Jesus and the the death that he suffered on the cross. So it's not about being perfect. It's about being imperfect and yet being made perfect through our creator. We're becoming more holy. We're we're working on becoming more like Jesus each day, I think. Also blow my mind. She like left her water pot. She left her well, belongings. Like came out just, to get it. Yeah. It's like, like, this indescribable gift. I got, I got to go tell them right so, now. Is that urgency? I do. Do we have that urgency yeah. nowadays? So if you guys are good with it, you can tell me if you're not. I was going to skip to verse 39. So that says from the city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word the woman has testified. So this broken, sinful woman is preparing the way for the Samaritans to accept the Messiah. And I just think that's so cool. I think this is another just a great example of why scripture should be taken as the truth, because you have to realize like in this time, it would not have been the woman who was the hero. And yet we see in this story, it was the woman who paved the way for Jesus' ministry. This is not something you can make up. This is not something. Yeah. Like, this is not well, a and story. I think it's cool yeah, too because exactly. So- up to this time, God's people were the Jews. Like that was who God's people were. They were supposed to be the light that showed God to the world. And here already in Jesus's ministry, we see that Jesus is preparing people for the idea that it's no longer just the Jews. You know, now he's including everyone. Jesus makes it possible for us all to be included in God's promise and for us all to be God's people. And I just think that's the coolest thing. And that's women, that's, you know, non-Jews, that's everyone in that. It's the cool thing. In today's culture and society, we're all guilty of this. We all get stuck in our little groups, our little cliques, where we're comfortable in our little groups, but or our own little denominations or whatever. But can you imagine the power that would have when we would unify on this message of going out and sharing Jesus with the world for everyone to hear so they will not perish? But the woman, this had to have been uncomfortable for her. This was uncomfortable for Jesus. Like this would have been uncomfortable for Jesus crossing these lines. But if we would unify and get out of our little cliques, our little denominations, our little bubbles of Christianity that we have within little our groups of people and got out of these groups and went out and sharing Jesus to these outcasts and these people who don't fit this perfect mold or those of a different skin color or whatever it is, whatever it is, that would solve a lot of issues in the world right there because it's pointing people to Jesus. But we got to get, comfort- get comfortable in the uncomfortable well, I think sharing Jesus. We just Jesus. need to have a really deep-seated love for people. When we really think about what Jesus has done for us and how much he loved us and and the sacrifice that that took and the idea that God has been working throughout history to bring us and redeem us back to him and just everything that God has done for us. And we think about that, that great love, like everything comes down to love. Following Jesus is all about love. If we don't truly love people, then what is our our motivation to, to, to point them to Jesus? Like what is our motivation to help them through their life? Like, and if we don't truly love Jesus, then why are we even wasting our time? Like, what are you waking up for like, every morning? If you're going around <laughs> and proclaiming Jesus, but you're not living it out, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's just, it's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to be effective. And you yourself are probably not actually living for Jesus. You're claiming Jesus and making it easy. Yeah. What's that verse? First the Corinthians first about, but if you do not love, it means nothing. First Corinthians ah, Robert's ahead of it. If I speak with the tongues of men and of, and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of the prophecy and, and know all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And if I have all faiths so as to remove mount so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I, and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it, it profits me nothing. And then it goes on to say, love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbeknowingly, un it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Verse 8 says, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, and they, they will all be done away with. Done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Love yeah. is pretty important. <laughs> like basically yeah. it's saying it doesn't matter what spiritual gift you have, if you don't do it, if you don't have love, it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's yeah. absolutely nothing. So I'm gonna bring us back here to John four. Um I'm gonna start so where'd you leave off? You left off on thirty nine. One really important verse we still need to read. Yeah, I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit forty one and forty two here. I think those are the, um, yeah, those are the two. So in verse forty one we see many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world. That's the whole point of this podcast, Abigail. No one can make the decision for you to accept the word of God. No one can make that decision for you. So, but you have to go out and tell people about the gospel in order for people to believe they have to hear the gospel, but no one can make that choice for them. And that's a choice that each of us has to make in order to pursue the cornerstone daily, to die daily, and to follow up to follow Jesus. We point people to Jesus, and we let him do all the work. We point them there, and, and then literally they have the scripture. God is alive today as much as he ever has been, and he will work on their hearts. He's working. He's seeking them out right now. They might be denying it, but he's so seeking think, them out. You know, when we, we talk a lot about going out and speaking to people, and I can be the first one to tell you that I'm not the best at this. I also don't always connect with a lot of people, like different people through the week. But I think the idea is just like, and this is not just all you should do. You should definitely speak to Jesus, but your life should, you, Jesus should be so full in your life that it just overflows. Like we talk about our family and we talk about even politics and stuff like that. Like, don't be afraid to bring Jesus up in everyday conversation and don't be afraid to point people to the gospel. So first Corinthians 15 is just a great chapter because it's summer really well yeah and you know is. that's what we need to be preaching is the idea that jesus came that he died and that he rose again and and that is why we love and that is why we do the things that we do and that is why we need to be challenged every day to do better than we did the day before because we are jesus to the world and when people see us they should see jesus because jesus is no longer physically here but we have his spirit living in us and and that is our job everyone's job here on earth and that's exactly what Jesus did right here in John 4. He literally, the first thing, he's like, living water. It's like the it's the focal point of this conversation. Why can't we make that the focal and, point and of all of our conversations? doesn't just use the eloquent and the people that are well-spoken or the people that are per like perfect because none of us are. But we see here in this story an example of God using one of the most broken people that he can, using her, changing, completely changing her life and her outlook. Because we don't know what happened to her afterwards. But I'd like to think that you know, she, she changed and her life got better and, and that she continued to follow Jesus. And maybe even when Philip comes down to Samaria after Jesus raises again, you know, maybe she gets baptized and she commits her life to following Jesus because I feel like that's what she's doing here. And because of her, the whole nation of Samaria is, is prepared for the new covenant and what's to come. And, and God can use you in the same way. If you let yeah. it. Don't, don't wait for someone else to do the work. Jesus is seeking you out right now, and he came for literally everyone, and he doesn't, he doesn't want anyone to perish. Anyone. So go. What's holding you back? 
go <laughs> share Jesus. Make disciples. <laughs> and if you don't have Jesus, just know he is seeking you out. I promise you he is seeking you out. You just have to let him do that. Let him change your life. So pray for us it. here, Cecilia. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this podcast and the time we get to spend talking about your word. Thank you for the example that you show us with, with this sinful woman, God, that you can take broken people, fix them and use them for your purposes. And I pray that you give us all courage this week to go out and to share your message with others, whatever that looks like in our own situation. God, that you will be so prevalent and so alive in our lives, God, that people can't help but notice that there's something different. And I pray that you give us courage, you give us opportunities, God, and you help us to recognize those opportunities as we go out this week. Thank you for your son, for without him, nothing would even matter. God, you are so great. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Go share the living water this week. Yeah. Appreciate the cornerstone also. <laughs> See you next time.